Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. It's your host, with the most, Chris. Hope everyone's having an amazing day. I know I'm having a good day. Now let's get started with the podcast. Got a lot of stuff to get into today. First up, a big announcement for the CAV Sports Podcast. If you guys follow me on social media, if you don't, make sure you follow me at CAV Sports or CAV Sports Podcast. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, you name it, I got it. But... I announced something big that's happening. It's the first time ever for the CAV Sports Podcast. So June 16th through the 18th, there will be a convention here in Lubbock, Texas. It's called West Texas Comic Con, located at the Lubbock Memorial Civic Center. And I will be in attendance. Also, on June 17th, I will be having a live episode of the CAV Sports Podcast with special guest Butterbean. I'm very excited for this. This was a little bit of time in the making, but I'm so happy it's going, and this is going to be a very exciting moment for the CAV Sports Podcast, so I can't thank um, you know, the supporters I've got for a while. I also can't thank enough Goldmine Collectibles and West Texas, uh, West Texas Comic Con for allowing me to interview Butterbean the Boxer at their event. It's going to be live in front of an audience, so if you guys are in town or coming into Lubbock, it is during Father's Day weekend, so if you need an idea, definitely go, but I will be there in attendance June 16th through the 18th. And on June 17th, I will be having a live episode of the CAV Sports Podcast with special guest Butterbean. So make sure you guys tune in for that one. Next up, big, bigger announcement this past week. The Dallas Stars winning in Game 7 against the Seattle Kraken. Yes, we win it. It was stressful. It was very stressful. The Seattle Kraken is not an easy team. They are not... They're not easy. They went the distance in the first round, and now they went the distance in this one. And for a, for a while, I thought the momentum was just shifting between the Stars and the Kraken. The high-scoring games in that series between the two teams was just crazy, in my opinion. There were times where I thought the Kraken might run away with this, and I thought the Stars are going to try to come back and take it away. But the final game, you know, 2-1, to one, it was very low scoring, and it was you can tell like the tension was high. Everyone was nervous, especially in American Airlines Center. But I'm so excited that we were able to pull off the win, two to one, over the Dallas Stars. And I got I got my Stars cup to celebrate. Ooh, ooh, ooh! That drink feels so much better with a victory in it. Water, by the way. So now. I'm going to keep going with the podcast. Congratulations to the Dallas Stars making it to the Western Conference Finals uh, Championship. They will be playing, I believe, this Friday. So as of this recording, it is a Wednesday. So on Friday, they will be playing against the the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And I believe they're going to start the series in Vegas and then go about it that way. So their Vegas is also not an easy opponent. They're probably like one of the top teams in the West. So I'm very excited because I think... You know, going the distance with the Kraken and then being able to be a very, very physical wild team. I, I like our odds. I think we can do it. I honestly think we can get to the Stanley Cup Finals, and I'm very excited. And I think us beating the Kraken is definitely the, moment, the momentum booster we needed to go up against the Golden Knights. I know I'll be watching and seeing what's going on. Alrighty, so first topic of the day about the NBA. We have a lot to talk about. But I wanted to talk about the first the first thing that's going on. It's been buzzing everywhere, um, all over ESPN, Sports Center, Fox Sports, you name it. Everyone's talking about it. 
the John Morant situation and him possibly facing suspension. So for those of you that don't know, John Morant got in trouble again. This time it was because somebody went on Instagram Live and videoed John Morant, you know, listening to NBA Youngboy and flaunting a gun on on Instagram Live, and it was caught and it it was a it was a disaster uh, thing for to happen. But so he met with Adam Silver again. I know Adam Silver was shocked that it happened again. I know he was, especially whenever he uh, went, he talked about it. You can just tell he was like genuinely shocked that it happened again with John Morant. Because let's keep in mind, this isn't the first time this happened. This is not the first incident with John Morant. We already had the first one with uh, the Indiana, uh, the Indiana Pacers with the lasers, uh, laser attachment from a gun pointing at them at a bus. There was the whole uh, 17-year-old incident at his house, and then the Foot Locker incident with his mom, and then the volleyball thing again. So this wasn't, this isn't like the first time John Morant's gotten in trouble with the NBA. This is, this has kind of been a recurring thing with John Morant, and I think that's the concern right now. So, but I'm, I'm very disappointed. I'm very upset because I mean, John Morant's a really good player. Like none of us can disagree. He is a phenomenal athlete. He's definitely a face of the NBA. As we know, what he has influence on so many people, etc., etc. But that's what makes it so disappointing. And what I think is worse is that he was already suspended for about eight games the first time, saying that I'm gonna change and whatever. And then he came back, and this happened, and now this happened. And that's what's very disappointing and like frustrating is like this guy has a career that a lot of us would love to have to get paid millions of dollars have a Nike endorsement, have a Powerade endorsement, all these companies investing money in him, and he's just acting like it doesn't matter. And what frustrates me the most about it is the it's kind of the people that go on Twitter and comment on others saying, well, Josh should be able to live his life, let him, let him live. Here's my problem. And it's not only like with athletes and like stuff like that. This is like general with people. When you say that, when you say that, yeah, this person, tell them to go live their lives. I don't I don't like when people say that just because the difference between the difference in that statement is that you're not the one that has to live with the consequences. The person that is, you know, doing the action like John Morant flaunting a gun. He's the one that's going to suffer the consequences, not the people, you know, tweeting or messaging or commenting on others saying, well, let them live their life. No, because, yeah, it's easy to say from the outside. It's It's easy to say when you're not the one you know, committing the action. It's easy to say that it be, you know, you can say that, but the person that is actually doing it, they're the ones that have to live with the consequences. Unless everyone that is saying that is going to be held responsible for John Morant, unless you guys are going to come in and, you know, say that I'm going to help him get out of this, whatever, whatever, because let's be honest, no, no one is none of the followers or the comments or anybody like that is going to come to the help John Morant. If he gets kicked out of the NBA, if this continues, Let's keep that in mind. You're not the one that has to live with the consequences. Just like how I don't have to live with the consequences with him doing that. And if I was someone telling, you know, saying that John Morant should just live his life, even though he's already gotten in trouble with the league and not care, then yeah, it's easy for me to say it. But because I'm, I'm not the one condoning the action here. I'm not the one. I'm not the one in the driver's seat. I'm on the I'm in the passenger. And that's what I think is kind of like ridiculous in my opinion. And it's the same way with not just athletes, but like with regular people. If you've already gotten in trouble with, say, the law, you know what I mean? Like you got arrested for something. 
but yet you come, you know, you, you go to jail, whatever, you come out, and you still do the same action that got you in trouble the first time, you know, and I say, oh, oh, go live their life. Yeah, it's easy, because I'm not the one that's going to get arrested if they do it, or if they get caught again, or if you're the person that gets in trouble for a second time. Yeah, it's easy for me to say it, because guess what? I'm not the one in trouble. You are. Am, and am I going to be held responsible for your actions? No, because I'm not the one that committed them. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is that there are consequences to your actions. It's not only just the regular people like you and me. It's also the athletes like John Morant. There are, there are consequences to the actions you do. There are, there are consequences to, you know, possibly affiliating yourself with a group of people maybe you shouldn't be affiliating with. You know, a good example that I heard earlier was that, you know, good, there's, there's good consequences. You work out, you're going to lose weight. That's a good consequence. There is stuff like that. You help somebody out, they may help you out later. You never know. You help out somebody, they may be a good networking partner. You know what I mean? You do a little side job for a little company, they may come back and give you an opportunity. You never know. That's good consequences. But there's also bad consequences like flaunting a gun on IG Live while you already just got in trouble with the NBA for other stuff that already happened. Now you're possibly on thin ice with the NBA. And that's what I think is frustrating, because when if John Morant keeps this up, he's going to run himself out of the league. Like, back to reality. Like, luckily, he's not just some random per player, like, random person on the team or, like, in the G League, because he would have probably been out of the league. Like, let's be honest here. If he, was, if he was doing that and the NBA saw that and he wasn't, like, the face of the NBA, I personally think that he would have been kicked out of the league already. They would have already, like, voided his contract and said, you know what, we don't condone that. You're out of here. And I think that's what uh, some other, that's what other people kind of don't take, you know, consider that as well, is that he's all, he's already on thin ice and he's, and that's with him being a big name star. If he wasn't, they would have not condoned it and let him and kicked him out of the NBA. They probably would have never let him back in the Memphis Grizzlies organization and probably had to figure it out somewhere. But Jaws, the path that John Morant is on, it's on the path of getting kicked out of the league. And that's, that's not what we all want. I, I would love to see John Morant succeed. I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he has, you know, he can be great. He, he has been great. We've seen it. He's helped the Grizzlies get, you know, be relevant. He's one of the top players in the NBA. We've seen it. But these actions that you do and you can, and, you know, and you're okay with doing and people being okay with you doing it is not, it's not right. And like another thing also with the person that recorded him, I, if, if I knew I was already in trouble, I would have told him put the phone down, because no, because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna risk it. I'm just not. And I mean, funny enough, this is kind of an old saying, but I I I kind of live by it. If you think it's wrong, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. You know. Now I've heard debates about this John Moran situation. If he should get suspended, I do think he should get suspended because this isn't a first time incidence. It's, it isn't. Like I said, the Foot Locker thing with his mom, the volleyball game. The Indiana, the, uh, the Indiana Pacers with the laser. We've seen it. We, we've seen this happen. And it's not like it's something that is just a one-time incident. If this was the first time this ever happened, then I'm like, I don't think he should get suspended for one, you know, one instance of someone ca catching him with a gun in the car. But this is a multiple instances, like, player. This is not the first time he's gotten in trouble with the league, and he already had to talk to Adam Silver about this. So, yeah, he should be suspended because he didn't learn his lesson the first time. He already got suspended for eight games. And then he, you know, he 
got in trouble again. Yeah, that should be that should be a rule for suspension because he broke the code and code of conduct of the NBA. Now, I've heard people say like, well, he should get a year. I don't think it should be a year just because thankfully no one got hurt when he flaunted the gun. No one got hurt, no one got shot, and technically what he do what he did was not illegal. Technicality here. But already getting in trouble multiple times with this is yeah, that's suspension time. That's maybe like I'd say like a quarter, like the first like the first like quarter of the NBA season, suspend him. Really make him learn his lesson. I wouldn't say a full year. Now if someone got hurt, then yes. Suspension. Suspend him. Get him out of here because he is a danger, and it's not, it's not right. And I, I would just go about it that route if I was the NBA, just because you got, you got to make an example. Just because he is a star and he's a rising star, does not necessarily mean he's out. He's gonna get out of this. It, it just isn't. And that should be like a high standard. You should hold anybody, you know, in a professional athlete, you know, setting. Now, what John Morant does outside of the public in the private is his is his derogatory it doesn't or not derogatory uh his uh his his whole thing that's it what everyone does privately in their own like little their little corner of the world is their business if he wants to have weapons it's a free it's a country where it's allowed no matter what you know no matter what side of the spectrum you're on i know i have my opinions and i know how people have others whether whichever spectrum you decide to be on on this whole on the whole gun gun issue is your is your thing but when you're you know when you're in public and that's happening and you can clearly see this and someone's ig living it and that's kind of the worst part because like I me mean, we we live in a time and era where everyone can rec- you can record you doing anything and that's the scarier part if you are a public figure like john Morant, they can record you doing anything at any time and you know that person that was in the car with them got him with the gun you know and like i said if it's in his private time whatever whatever he's interested in i mean there's not you know there's nothing i could do about it but when it's public like that and you already got in trouble and you're not learning your lesson like you say you are yeah you should be suspended you you should just because yes you should and to kind of end on it with this note jaw like I, I would honestly, if I was him, think about who he's hanging out with, because the guy that recorded him, like, what what was the point? Why did he re- why did he go to IG Live with him in the car? Like, what was the whole point in that? Like, I didn't I didn't understand why he had to go had, why he had to do that. I think Josh should really consider who he's really like associating himself with because that's not right. He knows he's already in trouble. It was news all over all over the country that Jaw got in trouble. It's not the first time Jaws gotten into an incident with the NBA. He's already had to talk to the commissioner. And usually when you have to talk to a commissioner and it's not about something good, that's not, you know, that's already like, hey, you're already kind of rolling on thin ice here because you had to go talk to someone and that's not good. So I think he should reconsider who he's hanging around because they're getting him in trouble. You know, now there are times where he's getting himself into problems like this situation and the footlocker thing and, and whatever happened with the Pacers, but those people around him were kind of hurting him, and it's not good. It just isn't, and he should really reconsider that. That should be one of his things he needs to go sit down and think about because they're the one, you know, that guy did not have to go on IG Live with him in the car. You can record or whatever, and 
I don't know if it's because they need they need a like validation that they know John Morant or whatever, which you don't even need to. If you know John Morant, you know John Morant. If you have a I mean, if you want any validation, you have if you have a picture with the guy, I mean that should be enough. You know? You don't have to go on IG Live with him there for, for what? To show off that you know John Morant? To what, get a couple more people to follow you on Instagram? To kind to for what? For views and likes? You know, to kind of be more out there, use Jaws' image to boost what your your life. No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't need to. If that's like a true, like if that's a friend of yours, don't you don't need that. You just don't. You you really don't. And I I stand by that. I would not do that to someone, especially if I knew they're they are at a higher, you know, higher public figure than I am. Yeah, I would be probably be careful with what goes out in public and what doesn't, because. Not everything needs to be out there, and that's that's just true. Not everything needs to be out in the public. Not everything needs to be posted on Instagram, Facebook. Your private life is your private life, and that's it. And that's how it should. And that's what John Morant should really think about, and probably take into consideration when he goes about this. Alrighty. So next topic for the NBA. Interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hey everybody, Chris from the CAV Sports Podcast, and I want to give you guys a major announcement. The CAV Sports Podcast will have a live episode. Join me June 16th through the 18th at the Lubbock Memorial Civic Center for West Texas Comic Con. Make sure to get your tickets today. And on June 17th, we will be having a special taping of the CAV Sports Podcast with special guest Butterbean the Boxer. I want to thank Goldmine Collectibles and West Texas Comic Con for even making this happen. I'm super excited. Remember, June 17th at the Lubbock Memorial Civic Center, live the CAV Sports Podcast will be going with special guest Butterbean. See you there. The NBA. So round two is finished. They're in the uh, they are in the Western and the Eastern Conference Finals right now. But I did get this question was kind of popping up everywhere, and I was a little I was a little interested to give my two take here. Who was the bigger disappointment uh, from the last round? Was it Embiid and the 76ers, or was it the Nuggets with, or was it the, or was it Phoenix not beating the Nuggets and not making it to the finals? I'm gonna say the Suns. Here's why I say the the Phoenix Suns. They got Kevin Durant. They got Kevin Durant. They traded away so much draft capital to get Kevin Durant from the Brooklyn Nets, and they came up that short against a very good Nuggets team. Now, I said this before to somebody, that if 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 the Suns lost by three, they lost in a close game, I think we would not be having a big problem about this because they tried to get it to game seven. They lost four to two in the series, but they tried to force game seven. It just didn't work out. You know, some nights are not your nights. I get it. Then that's that's kind of that situation. It's like, okay, well, they came up short in game six in the big game. I mean, it's disappointing, but at least they try. They lost so bad the other night, 125 to 100. That is such a disappointing, like, score. And even in the first half of the game, they were getting blown out. That is not what you expect from a very loaded Phoenix Suns team. With Devin Booker and KD and everyone they have on that team. There's no way they should have lost. at least be that bad. I know the Nuggets are good. Jokic is great. Jamal Murray's been playing great. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. has been doing good. But still, you have you traded all of your draft capital away to get Kevin Durant to get you over the hump to get you to the finals, and it didn't happen. 
That's why I'm saying I think they were the bigger disappointment out of uh, the two games because because like the Suns were probably on paper set to go to the finals. Embiid and the Sixers, I mean, it was 50-50 about it, but I mean, they had to get past Celtics, which was which not many people were sure if they were going to be able to do that in the first place. But everyone saw the Suns see, like being this dominant team. Everyone had the Suns going to the finals. I know Vegas had their odds high to get to the finals, and they didn't get there. They didn't even make it to the Western Conference Championship. So what are they going to do here? Because they don't have much. They don't have much draft capital to work with. They still have Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Like CP3 still on the team. What are they going to do from here? Like there's, you can only go up from here, but they're going to have to reset something. Something's going to have to change, whether it be Monte Ellis getting fired, bringing in new personnel, they trade away Deontay, uh, DeAndre Ayton or CP3. Whatever they got to do, they got to figure it out because they don't have a lot to work with and they don't have a lot of first-round picks left because they traded away for Kevin Durant. So whether it be they may ship off KD, whatever they may decide is that they're going to have to reset something because getting that close but not even getting the Western Conference Championship and you on paper have a really, really good lineup, it, it's disappointing. It very is. And that's why I think they were the most disappointing out of the two losses. But I'm not going to let the 76ers and Embiid get off that easy. They they lost too. And they played bad in the final game, in the game seven. They played horrible. They just did. Embiid had 15 points, but he was five for eight. Harden, 3 for 11 with 9 points, even though everyone was praised in that MVP Harden was back. Everyone was saying Harden is saving Embiid. 9 points in Game 7. MVP Joel Embiid, who won it this year after people were freaking out if he was going to win it again, if he was ever going to win it, or if he was going to win it this year. MVP Embiid, 15 points and you were 5 for 18. In the biggest game, you cannot do that. You just can't. You're fighting for MVP. Everyone's trying to make the case for you to, to win it over Jokic. At this point, Jokic looks like he should have won MVP because he he's taking his team farther than Embiid did. And, and Embiid lost in a bad way in Game 7 with James Harden. And this what was the result of this? This resulted in Doc Rivers getting fired. Because Doc Rivers is not there anymore. As of the other day, he, he got fired. Now... I do like Doc Rivers, although we do have to acknowledge that he has, I believe he's 0-10 in Game 7s in his career. He has a really, he hasn't gotten to past the Eastern Conference Finals with Embiid and Harden there. It, I mean, I I don't think he should have been completely, I don't think he should have been fired this year, but if it would have happened again, like maybe next year, then yes, I can see maybe let's fire Doc Rivers. But, I mean, Harden doesn't like want to work with Doc Rivers anymore. Embiid played horrible. There's and there's no Ben Simmons um there's no Ben Simmons scapegoat to get you out of it. So who are they gonna look at? I don't think they should have fired Doc Rivers, but I knew that, you know, will they fire him is another question. Should they? Probably not. Will they? I don't know. Just because I do like Doc Rivers, I think he's an excellent coach, but he's gotta get over that hump. But just the disappointment in that game and just how poor they did was just mind boggling to me. It really was. Just because, and don't get me wrong, Jason Tatum, 51 points, breaking the record into Game 7, played phenomenal. Jason Tatum, we've seen it. We've all seen how great Jason Tatum can be. But this, he wasn't even the MVP. Joel Embiid was, and Joel Embiid could not win it in Game 7. Like I said, I can understand if, because the final game 
what, uh, the final score, I believe, was 112 to 88. If the score was any closer, if it was like the same situation with the Suns, if it was maybe a three-point game or it was down, you're down by five or less, I can, you know, we can say something different. We could say it was a good game, just maybe it wasn't their night. Maybe their shots weren't going down. If Embiid had 30 points, I think this is a whole different conversation. If Harden would have had more than maybe 15 to 20 and Embiid had about 25, I think we'd be having a whole other conversation. We may have another team in the Eastern Conference Finals, but sadly, that's not what happened. And now with Doc Rivers gone, I don't know who's going to get, who's going to end up, who they're going to hire to coach the 76ers. It is not a guarantee Harden's going to be there because Harden's already wanting to go back to Houston or he wants to go to Phoenix, whichever. But I don't know how Phoenix is going to get him because whether if he's, I don't know if he's a free agent or not, but. If they have to trade for him, they really don't have much to trade for James Harden. And if he goes to Houston, James Harden is going to have to lead a team with just 20-year-olds. And that's hard to do, especially someone at his caliber at, at his point in his career because he's not the same James Harden as he was when he first got to Houston. He had showed glimpse of it in the playoffs, but he just didn't overall. There were times where he played just like this and Embiid had to show out. And that's the concerning part. So... Whether Harden wants to stay in Philly or not, or he wants to go back to Houston and be comfortable because he has family out there. He loved it in Houston. I mean, who knows why he... I mean, we all probably know why he liked it in Houston, but I, I digress in that one. But that was another disappointing game. And, I mean, congratulations to the Celtics and the Nuggets for going to their conference championships. They're both really good teams. Like I said, the Nuggets are just great. Jokic has been phenomenal. Jamal Murray, when he gets it going, he gets it going. Michael Porter Jr. has been uh, has had a great year, and Jason Tatum for the Celtics just he just sometimes he can be too much. And I'm very excited to see how they're gonna do. But I mean, at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta see it from that perspective. That if you're the MVP, you gotta show out. You just you just have to. You can't be great in season and expect to you know be not as great in the playoffs just because because what you finally won the MVP and you're like okay never mind no you should always be great especially in playoffs in playoffs is probably like your time you want to be great because if you're not that's going to be a problem alrighty so finishing up with the topic of the NBA the Spurs got the number one pick in the draft lottery last night so congratulations to the San Antonio Spurs their tanking has worked the tanking has worked, and they're going to get Victor uh, Mby, or Wemby. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce his full last name, but I know he goes by uh, Wemby. It's very exciting. I think that's great. This is something the Spurs definitely need um, after, you know, kind of the down the downhill couple of years that they've had, you know, after Kawhi left and Duncan retired, Tony retired, Manu retired, uh, DeJounte Murray going to Atlanta, Lonnie Walker's in L.A., uh, didn't really work out with DeMar DeRozan, you know, and uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. We, we we saw what happened. And I think getting the number one pick and getting this player, uh, Victor, it, it's going to help him out just because they definitely need it. Seven foot, I think he's like, what, seven foot three? He can move, he can move, he can shoot the three. He's a phenomenal player. Only concern I have about Victor is his size, not necessarily his height, but like how thin he is. But I think that, you know, Couple, you know, just hitting the gym with the guys or, you know, giving that Greg Popovich coaching, I think that it's going to help. Now, I will say, though, a fair warning for Greg Popovich is that he's not going to be able, he shouldn't coach 
at least these younger players like he did uh Duncan and Tony and Gino- and Ginobili. It's a different it's a different generation. Some players back then can work off, you know, ex-military training, always yelling at you in your face, whatever, whatever. But obviously we saw it with Kawhi cuz Kawhi started not, you know, stop like not liking to be with Greg Popovich. And we saw that. You know, Kawhi was a great example of it because it didn't work out there and he and he essentially quit on the Spurs. I will say I will stand and say that that he did quit on the Spurs because there were times I believe like it was like a, I, apparently it was uh, found out that he didn't really have any knee issues. He just didn't want to play for the Spurs anymore. And I think that him quitting on the Spurs to go to Toronto and win a championship and then, you know, everyone retiring for the Spurs, you know, and now it's coming full circle. Now just, you know, kind of slowly tanking and not doing well, trading away DeJounte and Lonnie Walker. It Now this now with Victor coming in, I think this is going to be the player they need, but if I'm Greg Popovich, I would go about it in a different direction just because, you know, the younger generation that's coming in, a lot of them can't work being yelled at. It, it's it's pretty evident. A lot of people have to change, you know, how they go about coaching style, teaching, whatever. You have to go about it different just because it is a different generation that's coming in. And a lot of them won't work with you if you just scream and yell at them. It's just, it's the sad truth. It, it is true. Some Now, some players do work like that. Some players do. But most of the new, uh, the new players coming in, you, you can't teach them like that. It just doesn't work and you're not going to get a good, you're not going to get a good reaction out of them and you're not going to get a good, good feedback from them. And I think that's going to be the issue. So if Greg Popovich could maybe change that up, you know, I know he's, you know, like I said, he's ex-military, you know, he's been coaching this way a long time. He has five rings to prove that his, his method works, but not having Duncan there to kind of, you know, rally the troops in the locker room and say, Hey, that's just pop. You gotta, you're gonna have to think of some, you have to go about this a whole different way. And I think that's going to be the, I think it's going to be the route that, Greg Popovich is going to have to take with uh, Wemby coming in and when they pick him up with the first pick of the draft. But either way, congratulations to the San Antonio Spurs for getting the number one picked. The tanking paid off, and now you guys are going to get a pretty good player in Wemby. All right, so next topic, the NFL. Hey, everybody, I just want to take a real quick pause from the podcast to introduce our first sponsor, one guy from Italy on University. One Guy from Italy on University is a local Lubbock restaurant located right next to Texas Tech University. They have some of the best food in town. I know personally I go order. The house calzone is my favorite. And also they have been voted to have the best calzones in Texas. So if you're ever in Lubbock, Texas, make sure you guys stop by One Guy from Italy on University. And thank you guys for being our first sponsor of the podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. The NFL got some NFL stuff. Not really anything newsworthy, but kind of some interesting topics that I did hear about and I kind of have a th- uh, opinion to say. So we're going to go to the AFC East. Who do I think is going to be a bigger threat you know, in the whole AFC conference? If it's going to be the Bills or the Jets? I'm going to say the Bills. What? Here's why I say the Bills. Because the Bills, at least with Josh Allen and that team, have been consistently good. Barring the fact that Josh Allen has thrown... A lot of interceptions last season. He was right behind Dak Prescott for everyone to know because Dak threw 15, but he threw 14. So keep in mind, Josh Allen was right behind him. Even with that, Josh Allen and the Bills still did really well, and they made it. They made a little run in the playoffs. So I think between him and Aaron Rodgers and the Jets is gonna be, it's gonna be the Bills because they've been consistent. They've been they, what they've been doing is working. 
Now with Aaron Rodgers coming in for the Jets, we don't know how it's going to work. On paper, this should be this should be a really good team. They should be a you know a contender for the AFC Championship along with the Chiefs. However, we all saw what happened with Russell Wilson when he went to Denver. It didn't work out. So, I'm not saying that this may happen again, but that's not something that we should not take into consideration that that may happen because we saw it. We saw what happened. What can happen when you bring in a new uh, veteran quarterback who's proven himself and put him in a new situation? Sometimes it just doesn't work like how you want it to, and that's the concerning part. And that's what I think for the Jets and Aaron Rodgers, just because of who Aaron Rodgers is. Now, I do know that there was a report that he's hanging out with players. You know, he's getting to know his, uh, you know, some of the players like Sauce Gardner. There's only one issue with that whole situation. Sauce Gardner doesn't play offense. Sauce Gardner plays defense. So unless he's going to throw a lot of interceptions this season, which I know a lot of Jets fans probably hope that's not the case, that's not the that's not the people you need to be hanging out with. And I believe they said like Alan Lazard was there when they were hanging out, but Alan Lazard and Aaron Rodgers already had some sort of connection because they were both in Green Bay. I haven't heard anything from Garrett Wilson. Now, I know he said he's excited. I mean, who wouldn't be excited for Aaron Rodgers to come into their organization and help him out? Especially with who they had at quarterback is not working. So, with him now with him coming in, I do think it's going to make him a little bit of a, a little bit of a tougher opponent. I do think so, but I still think the Bills are going to run away with it because they've been consistent. And if they can just help out Josh Allen a little bit more, maybe take away the rushing attempts from Josh Allen, I think they'll be pretty good. And if he can lower the interceptions, because he threw a lot last season. I believe after playoffs, he threw the most. He had like, I believe, 18 or 17. So he was pretty high up there. He was right behind Dak Prescott. So if he can lower that and maybe less rushing attempts just so he doesn't get hurt, I can see them still being a threat in the AFC. Because we still can't. Because I don't think they're a bigger threat than Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I don't think so. Because Joe Burrow is still going to be there and he's still going to be great. Patrick Mahomes is probably going to be the, the biggest, toughest opponent in the AFC and the Chiefs. But I think that the Bills are going to be more of a threat to them than I do think the Jets. Just because the Jets are going to take some time. Now, I think maybe if Aaron Rodgers stays there for a couple years, then I do think that they're going to end up being the bigger threat. Because he gets time to develop with his team. You know, he can learn a little bit about how each, each of his players work. I don't know, like I said before, that this first year for the Jets is going to be like what everyone expects it to be. You know, oh, we're going to possibly win the AFC East, which I don't think so because the Bills are still there. And Tua Tungavailoa is coming back, and he was pretty good before he got the first concussion. So, and Belichick and the defense is still there. So it's not like he's, you know, it's not like cakewalk. Like it was whenever he was with Green Bay because he basically had cakewalk up until the past couple years with the Vikings. But he was able to control that NFC North. But now with the now in the AFC, he has a lot more competition in just his division alone with, like I said, Tua Tungavailoa and that pretty good Miami Dolphins offense with Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, you name it. And then you still got the Bills who have a consistently good defense with Josh Allen, and Stephon Diggs. So that's another team you really can't count out. So I do think that the Bills will be a tougher opponent. However, though, 
I think the Jets will be tougher down the road. Like in another couple years or so, they will be the tougher opponent. But for now, I think the Bills are going to be the biggest concern in the AFC compared to the Jets. Alrighty, so next topic for the day. So the with the schedules being released this past uh, this past week, we saw uh, kind of the the difficulty grade of each team. The Philadelphia Eagles had the hardest, and my Dallas Cowboys had were tied for the fourth. So who do I think is going to win the division? I think it's going to be the Cowboys. Here's why I think so. Because the Eagles, keep in mind, they just lost their offensive coordinator. They lost their defensive coordinator. Yeah, they have the Georgia Bulldogs. Everyone's joking that they're the Philadelphia Bulldogs at this point. I get it. But a lot of them aren't going to start. Let's keep that in mind. They got Jalen Carter for when Fletcher Cox retires. They brought in Nolan Smith for when Brandon Graham retires, which is probably not going to be till next season. And then they brought in some offensive linemen for when Jason Kelsey retires, which we don't know when he's going to do it. That's the that's my thing, is a lot of the people they brought in are probably not going to start their this upcoming year because they brought in back they brought back their veterans to help them out. And they still uh to my knowledge, they still haven't replaced their their coordinators yet. Yes, Stefanski's still there. I get it. But the coordinators are kind of what help it out, and there's no defensive coordinator there. He's in Arizona. And I believe, I forgot where the offensive coordinator went. But either way, that they, they're going to need coordinators to come in, and they don't have that. And now they have a real, real tough schedule ahead of them. Now, I don't think that the Cowboys are going to win this like by a landslide, because we have a real tough schedule this year as well. But I do think that we're going to win it very close. We're going to win it by a game or two or half a game. Because we're either both teams are going to beat the Commanders and the Giants. I don't. I don't really don't see either of them beating the Cowboys or the Eagles. I think the Cowboys and the Eagles will split the series. I think that each team will have the home advantage, and that's where they'll win. The Eagles will win in Philly, and the Cowboys will win in Dallas. That's what I completely. That's what I completely uh, believe. But it's going to depend on who's going to have the better record when Week 17, Week 18 arrives. That's what I think it's going to come down to is. Who's going to win the division at the last game? That's who I think is going to win it and go uh, represent the NFC East and who's going to get the wild card. I think both are still going to have good records. I think the Cowboys are going to get at least 10 wins. Ten. I don't know if we'll get 12. I really don't. But I do think we'll at least get between 10 and 12. Now, the Eagles got 13. I don't know if they'll get 13. They may get between 11 and 13. So kind of a median 12 and maybe the Cowboys max 12. And that's what I mean. I think it's going to be a closer race than it was last year. Because last year, it was not very close. But but this year, it's going to be a little different. Just because, like I said, the schedules are very are going to be very difficult for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Cowboys, it's, not, it's, not, it's a little bit easier, but it's not as bad. Because let's be honest, last season, the Eagles did have a pretty, pretty easy schedule. A lot of the games that they played... There's a reason why they blew them out, or at least they beat them, because they played against some real easy teams. Most of the AFC South that they went up against blew them out of the water, except for the Texans, but and the Colts. But they were able to make it work. And the Cowboys, they had a pretty, they had, we had a decent schedule. It wasn't super easy, like I believe the Eagles had it, but they did have a pretty, a little bit of an, uh, they had a, a little bit of an easier schedule than probably some others. I will agree to that. And now it's flipped. The Eagles have the hardest, which makes sense because they had the best record in the NFC. And then the Cowboys have the fourth hardest, or they're tied for the fourth hardest. So I believe that the Eagles and the Cowboys, it's going to be a close race going into next season, but I think the Cowboys are going to win it at the end. They're going to win it, and 
they're going to they're hopefully we can do it because we also saw that the NFC East has not had a consistent or a two-time winner in like tw- I believe about 20 years. So I think that's another that's another reason to have fate on our side and like I said, I really don't see the Giants doing super well nor the Commanders. So we'll just have to wait and see what's going to go on with that. But I think the Cowboys and the Eagles are going to cut it real close at the end and that's how the football at least the season for the NFC East is going to end. Alrighty, so final topic for today. So this is kind of something that was brought up a little bit from uh, some of the uh, show earlier today. They uh, named their top five teams in the NFC. So who do I have for my top five? I'm gonna give number one to the Eagles. I'm gonna just because they won, they were at the Super Bowl last year. I'm gonna give it a tie for the 49ers and the Cowboys, which I'll explain right now. I believe number four will be. I think it'll be Seattle because they added Jackson Smith and Jigba to that offense. Geno Smith has no excuse to not be good this year with uh, Kenneth Walker in the backfield, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and then Witherspoon being added to the new Legion of Boom. They're gonna be. They're probably gonna win the the NFC West, or they're gonna be competing with the 49ers. And then final is gonna be the Lions. I think the Lions are actually gonna be pretty good because last year they were pretty close and they eliminated Aaron Rodgers. From the from getting into the playoffs, and they, I mean, I think they they can be great. But we'll talk. Let's go to the 49ers first. Here's why I had the 49ers and the Cowboys tied. The 49ers don't have a quarterback right now, and they don't have a quarterback that they may trust. Like I said, Trey Lance injury prone. We don't know what he's going to be because he's he's been injured. Brock Purdy is coming off surgery, and we don't know how he's you know how he's how the healing process is going. We don't know if he can throw as well as he did last year. And then you have Sam Darnold, who, I mean, he proved that he can play in Carolina, but now that's why they brought him in in case they need him. So who's going to play, though? Who's going to be that quarterback that's going to step up and play? Now, their offense is a really good. Christian McCaffrey, Debo, Brendan Ayuk, Curtis Samuel, they have weapons, and George Kittle. And then they have a pretty stellar defense. So we can't take that away from them, which I don't. But they don't have a quarterback. They don't have at least a quarterback that they may trust. Trey Lance is probably going to be out the door already. He's probably going to leave. He's probably going to be traded. Someone's going to probably want him during the season. I predict maybe the Raiders, if Garoppolo goes down, they may try to go. Well, no, maybe not. But someone may need him. You never know. And then Brock Purdy. We don't know the health status of him. We don't know if he's going to be the same Brock Purdy like he was last year. He was Mr. Relevant. And then that's and then Sam Darnold's in there to at least kind of be the backup, either the backup or the third string to help in case anything goes wrong. So I think that's the dilemma that the 49ers have. That's why I don't have them at number two. They have a great team on paper, but they don't have a quarterback. But here's why I have them tied with the Cowboys. The Cowboys, on the other hand, have a quarterback in Dak Prescott. Now, whether he'll play as last year's Dak Prescott or... 2021 Dak Prescott is going to be what is what the is where it's is what's the question here because Ezekiel Elliott's gone he's he's been cut so you're going to roll with Tony Pollard and Ronald Jones and probably Deuce Vaughn who got drafted they added help to the defense in Gilly Stephon Gilmore they brought back the uh, Donovan Smith and the Wolf Hunter they drafted uh Mozzie Smith to D-tackle which is going to help with the whole run stuff situation we still have D-Law and Sam. Micah Parsons is still there. Trayvon Diggs is still there. And then we added help to offense. On top of CeeDee Lamb, we added Brandon Cooks. And then 
we put Michael Gallup at three, and then we helped the tight end, which I believe was our weakest link, was the tight end position when Dalton Schultz left. Now we brought in Shoemaker, who is probably going to be second or third, but he can block or he could be a wide or he could be wide out with Hendershot. And we also still have Ferguson, who is a trench and he can block. So I think the Cowboys and the 49ers teams are just like this. They're too parallel to each other. But the one difference and what makes them tied is going to be Dak Prescott being the quarterback that the Cowboys believe in. And the 49ers don't have a quarterback that they believe in right now. Like I said, Trey Lance is probably going to be out the door. Brock Purdy, injured. Sam Darnold, question mark. And that's where I have the tie here. Because there's a lot of question there's a lot of question marks at that QB spot, which is the most important spot on the football team. And then with Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, we added a lot of stuff, but Mike McCarthy is gonna start calling plays since Kellen Moore since Kellen Moore is not there anymore. So we don't know what that's gonna look like. He did have a top offense the nine out of ten times uh, the nine years out of the ten. He did call uh he did call plays for the Green Bay Packers, but he did have Aaron Rodgers, so it's gonna it's a toss up here. It's going to be a toss-up on what's going to happen with that offense. I think that's what doesn't that that's not that's the reason why I don't have the Cowboys at number two instead of the 49ers is because I don't know what our offense is going to look like with Mike McCarthy calling the plays as of right now. I don't know what it's going to look like. It's very hard for me to picture it. But the 49ers don't have a QB to throw, and we all saw what happened when they faced the Philly with no quarterback. I mean, just kind of common knowledge. You probably can't do anything without a quarterback. So, but now I'm going to move on to Seattle. Seattle because they added on to their new Legion of Boom with uh, Devin Witherspoon. And they brought in uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba to that really good offense for Geno Smith. With Kenneth, Kenneth Walker, the MC, uh, MSU running back who was probably going to be Rookie of the Year if he didn't get hurt. And then DK Metcalf who is a really good wide receiver and Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett could probably go to slot now because he's just a speedster. He can go down. Uh, he can beat. He could probably beat the wide receiver, uh, not the wide receivers. He can beat the defensive backs, and then Jackson Smith and Jigba was he was pretty relentless at Ohio State. So with that, with those additions to an already pretty good team, I think they're going to probably be one of the top teams in the NFC. I for sure think they're going to make wild card. They were nine and eight. I don't see them going twelve wins. I maybe see them going getting ten or eleven. They were nine and eight last season until they got destroyed by uh, the Forty ers I will say though, the only issue I have is that Geno Smith struggled against the uh, whenever the run game wasn't working. He struggled, so if he can improve on that, I think the Seahawks will be completely fine. But we, but seeing how much he struggled when Kenneth Walker wasn't there and when there was no running game, that that was a little bit of the concern I had for Seattle, and that was kind of the oh, there's Geno Smith. You know, that's the Geno Smith we've seen. There's a reason why he was a second string or third string quarterback for a long time. And, I mean, everyone knew that they brought in Geno Smith just so they can tank and probably get Bryce Young, which ended up not happening. But with the strong running back like Walker and the weapons that he has, and now they brought in another weapon for him to throw to, it's going to it's gonna be beneficial for him. And, like I said, the defense getting stronger with Witherspoon being added to that defensive secondary, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be – they're going to be a pretty good team. They're going to most likely compete with the 49ers for the NFC West title. Between them two, and then I don't know if LA is going to be that great. They lost some of their, you know, their special players like Allen Robin, uh, Allen Robinson got traded, so they don't have him. So they're only going to run with Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford. Who knows if Cam Akers is going to be great again? And then it's a big question mark in Arizona because no one has a clue what's going on in Arizona. So 
We'll see with that with Jonathan Gannon, the de- former defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles being there. So no one's going to know what's going to happen. DeAndre Hopkins may not be there. Buda Baker may not be there. Come next season, uh, this upcoming season, who knows what may happen. But that's who I have being for number four. Or, ooh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, number four. Number five is going to be the Lions. Here's why I think the Lions. Green Bay, I don't know if they're going to be good with Jordan Love. I think it's going to take a second. Just because, like I said in the uh, previous episode, that I do love that they brought in, they gave Jordan Love a contract to get to get a, ver- a little bit of a bigger sampling size for Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers to see if their investment was is going to be worth it. But do I think they're going to be good this year? I don't think they're going to be like great like like some people may think they may be. I think they'll be kind of like mid-tier. But I think the Lions are probably going to win it because they they helped out on their defense, which I thought was their weakest link because with the running backs that they had, well, yeah, now they brought in uh, Amir Gibbs from Alabama and they traded away uh, Swift and uh, Jamal Williams, which I thought was kind of a, a bad move. But I think that they're still going to be pretty good. Dan Campbell is a coach that those players believe in. They're all biting kneecaps. They're all living by his statement. So I think having him changing the culture and just giving that team a boost of confidence that they need. They addressed the defensive situation. I thought like I thought they were pretty good. I thought Jared Goff with Amont Ross St. Brown and Jamison Williams, whenever he comes back after suspension, you know, they they had that offense going. I thought their weakest link was their defense, and I believe that they, they addressed it in the draft uh, outside of the running back position. They're, I believe they addressed it in free agency. So I think that they're gonna be they're gonna be good. They're gonna be a lot better. And I think they're gonna have a chance to get it to win in uh to win the NFC North. The reason why I don't have the Vikings is because Kirk Cousins is still there. I think that crazy season he had last year is not going to happen again. I think Jordan Addison coming in for the Vikings is going to help, but he's still going to force the ball to Justin Jefferson. Because even when he had Adam Thielen, they were, I mean, he was still just throwing it to Justin Jefferson most of the time. And and TJ Hawkinson being there, but there are times where TJ Hawkinson just wasn't, wasn't showing up. But, you know, with Jordan Addison coming in, it is going to help him out. But I still think I still think the Lions are going to pull it off. I, I just have a gut feeling the Lions are just going to pull it off and they're going to win that division. The Bears are going to be – I think they're going to – they're in the right – they're in the right steps to change what's going on there and helping out Justin Fields. So I think they won't win it this year. But, like, give them a couple years, they probably will do well for themselves. But we will have to see what happens with them. But I do think the Lions are number five because I I believe they're going to be good. I really do believe the Detroit Lions are probably going to win the NFC North over the Vikings. I don't think Green Bay is going to do it. I don't think Chicago will win it this year. But I think the Lions are going to definitely have it this year. Alrighty, guys. Well, that's going to wrap things up on this episode of the CAV Sports Podcast. Make sure you guys follow me on all of my social media at CAV Sports or CAV Sports Podcast. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, you name it. And just to kind of reannounce earlier, if you if you didn't catch it. So, uh, June 16th through the 18th is West Texas Comic-Con, and I will be there. It is at the Lubbock Memorial Civic Center, and I will be having a live episode of of the CAV Sports Podcast there with special guest Butterbean the Boxer, so I'm very excited for that. Again, thank you to West Texas Comic-Con and Goldmine Collectibles for setting up and letting this happen. So, if any of you are in either the Lubbock area or if you're coming in for Father's Day weekend, get your tickets at Goldmine Collectibles. Or, you know, go to their go to their social media. They're doing tons of giveaways. But June 17th, the CAV Sports Podcast will be live in front of an audience with Butterbean, the boxer. And I will be at West Texas Comic Con from June 16th through the 18th. But already, that's going to wrap things up on this episode. And I'll catch you guys at the next one.